Welcome to The Drum Shuffle, a podcast offering insights, perspectives, and conversations for drummers. I'm your host, Jamie Eads. How's it going out there, everybody? Welcome to the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Jamie Eads joining you as I do each and every week. This is episode 160. Hope everybody's having a great week out there in drum world. We're having a great week over here at the Drum Shuffle World Headquarters. Uh, We have a great episode for you today. I am going to be joined by a fellow Kentuckian who is now making his home in Dallas, Texas, and he has a great new record out and a tour starting right as we release this episode. And I'm going to tell you all about that in just a moment uh, when we are joined by Bobby Falk right after this message from our sponsor, Lost Cabos Drumsticks. The best kept secret for drummers is finally out. Lost Cabos Drumsticks may look like the sticks you grew up with, but these are not your father's drumsticks. Los Cabos Drumsticks is Canada's number one drumstick brand and they are coming to a retailer near you. With operations in over 28 countries worldwide, thousands of drummers have already discovered the Los Cabos difference. Using FSC certified wood from Canada and the US, Los Cabos make the finest quality drumsticks, percussion tools, and accessories on the market. The best news, Los Cabos Drumsticks offers you a ton of choice. They have 22 individual drumstick models and 14 percussion tools, many of which are available in three different wood types, maple, white hickory, and red hickory. Red hickory comes from the center or heart of the hickory tree and has been independently proven to be both stronger and more elastic than white hickory without adding a lot of weight. While most drumstick manufacturers have shunned red hickory, Los Cabos Drumsticks has embraced it, becoming the only established stick brand in the world to offer a full line of red hickory drumsticks. To learn more about Los Cabos Drumsticks, visit them online at loscabosdrumsticks.com, follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and don't forget to ask for Los Cabos Drumsticks at your favorite retailer. Dare to be different. Join the Red Hickory Revolution with Lost Cabos Drumsticks. All right, guys and girls, as I mentioned, we're about to be joined by Bobby Falk. Uh, Bobby is a fellow Kentuckian. Uh, he's been down in Dallas for a few years now, uh, but he comes from a very musical family, uh, which is really cool. And we talk a little bit about that, but he has a great new record uh, that came out just uh, a few weeks ago called Coming to Fruition. Um, it really is a great record, and I, I mean that sincerely. I've been listening to it quite a bit, uh, but he has a tour starting, uh, a CD release tour starting uh, as we release this episode. Uh, it's going all over Texas. Uh, it is going uh, to come to my area, Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, um, here in the coming weeks. So if you're interested in uh, any of that, uh, the, the web address for all those dates is bobbyfalkmusic.com. Uh, and I hope you guys will go out and check out a show and pick up the record because it is phenomenal. Uh, so without further ado, please help me welcome to the Drum Shuffle podcast, Bobby Falk. Hey, good afternoon, Bobby. How's it going, man? Uh, it, it's going great, Jamie. Thank you so much. 
uh, for having me. Oh man, no, it's our pleasure. Uh, you know, thanks for taking time to come on the drum shuffle podcast and, you know, we'll, we'll get this out of the way, you know, right off the bat. You are originally from Louisville and, you know, the drum shuffle world headquarters is over in Georgetown, Kentucky. So <laughs> literally like an hour away from each other. So you may be the first Kentuckian I've had um, that no longer lives in Kentucky, if that makes any yeah. sense. Right. So um, grew up in Louisville. I I'm assuming, uh, you know, you came up through... Um, like most of us drummers around here, you came up through the public school system, probably doing, you know, marching band and pep band and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I was born and raised in Louisville, uh, which is about an hour away from Georgetown. And uh, I was there for 35 years. Um, and uh, yeah, I went to um, youth performing arts school, um, playing in the uh, uh, manual, playing in the... Um, the bands, all the bands there. Um, and then, um, got heavily involved with jazz, uh, probably middle school, um, at Thomas Jefferson middle school. My band director was Roger Dane. Uh, and then I played all throughout middle and high school. And then, uh, of course I, um, I'm sure you're well aware of the Jamie Ebersold camps. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up with Jamie, played with Jamie, and went to those camps for about maybe 13 years as a camper, rather, um, as a youngster. And then I played a bunch of gigs with Jamie. That's, of course, Jamie Eversold land there uh, in Kentucky. Uh, so that's, yeah, uh, some of my background there. Oh, uh, and I went to the University of Louisville, um, majored in jazz studies on a scholarship graduated there in 2005 well we won't hold that against you i mean you know it's yeah. not not yeah. Ev not everybody no. can go to the university of kentucky you know the real college oh, yeah. in kentucky so yeah um, yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, big blue yeah big blue nation so um yeah. uh yeah were your parents into music i mean what what was the music bug for you what what really kind of you know i mean obviously if you're a drummer your parents were supportive otherwise you wouldn't still be alive you know let alone yeah. still playing but i mean were they yeah. were they into music yeah yeah that's uh that's correct they're both uh still living and uh, my father is gary falk who's a uh a saxophonist in the uh, Louisville area and also a band leader. And he runs and, the uh, recording studio, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's my parents' uh, recording studio. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, Falk Audio, which um, I'm not sure if you've been out there, or but there's been lots of projects there, uh, including uh, probably the first 15 to 20 Jamie Eversold records. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so I, I mean, obviously, if you come from a musical, uh, you know, family, um, yeah, did they were they kind of leery of the the whole drum thing? I mean, <laughs> was your dad like, I want you to play a melodic yeah. instrument? Yeah, yeah. Well, my mother, Dorita, uh, they they and my dad Gary, they both still live in in Louisville, uh, Kentucky. My mother uh, taught music for about 35 years, general music. And she plays the piano and organ. And dad is a, a saxophonist. So I actually got my start 
on um, uh, piano lessons um, as a real youngster when I was eight, nine, ten, uh, studying with her <laughs> and some others. And then um, middle school band, Dad got me started on the clarinet. Um, that didn't really last long, <laughs> maybe uh, <laughs> maybe two years at the most uh, before I switched to drums. There was just a need for for drums uh for for a snare drummer in the middle school band so i think i made the switch second or third year of middle school and i've been on drums ever since gotcha okay well it, mm-hmm. i mean you know we all come to the instrument in you know different paths or whatever yeah, and very much so you know some of uh, our former guests you know whose parents played you know either guitar or piano or sax or whatever the case may be you know, I think there, you know, there's kind of a common thread of, hey, we really want you to play a melodic instrument, right? We want mm-hmm. you, <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know, we don't, we don't want you to be a drummer because I think part yeah. of it is they don't want a drum set in the basement or the living room, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the neighbors and there's not. Let's let's all be honest here. There's not a whole ton of money involved in jazz drumming. Uh, necessarily <laughs> yeah uh, i mean that's yeah we could go on about that for the next hour and a half probably but yeah right um yeah. you know so okay so university of louisville grad and you know i know yeah. that your history was you know playing around kentucky indiana this area for quite some time um you know and just to you know most of our listeners are not in this area so there, while there is a jazz scene in, you know, like Cincinnati, I guess there's a pretty good jazz scene mm-hmm. still happening. Um, you know, I, I would say jazz music isn't like like the main live music style in Louisville or Lexington or or this area. Is that one of the reasons you chose to move to Dallas or? It, it, Talk to me a little bit about kind of your history in, in you know, doing the gigs in, in the Louisville area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I, I played a long time with, with Jamie Abersole and with others there, and I started my own band, um, the Bobby Falk Group, uh, probably first or second year out of college, and um, recorded two or three albums there in Louisville. Uh, those were my first two or three records. Um, yeah, so played the circuit there. I played some of the festivals. Um, and then I had a, um, like a steady a two or three night a week gig um, at a steakhouse. This was about the first. And I, yeah, you know, um, I was kind of looking for a change. and uh, But my wife, um, Anne, uh, you know, we got married in 2010, had two kids, and uh, she works for the federal government. Uh, so uh, we got the opportunity to relocate uh, several times, one time to Chicago, one time to Indianapolis, and we chose to stay put. Um, and then we got the opportunity to go to Dallas, Texas um, in 2014. Um so we took that opportunity and we felt the timing was right. And, uh, I was just, I really not, uh, or rather, I didn't really know very much about the music scene, uh, other than UNT is here, University of North Texas. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I was, I was 
definitely surprised because there's lots of jazz going on here, lots of clubs. Uh, Fort Worth is here. So it's been a great move for us. Yeah, so so I I would imagine the pace picked up a little bit once you got yourself yes. established down there because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, you know, a, a two or three nights a week at a steakhouse. I mean, that's kind of the outlet for jazz if it's not a festival going on. I mean, there aren't like these great jazz clubs in this area, unfortunately. Right, right. No, and uh, I, uh, I I I'd made a nice little niche and living there in in kentucky as as a young drummer in his 20s and 30s i um i taught at several places uh, the kentucky school for the blind um i taught there for about 10 years that's in louisville uh and music go round which is a studio so i was teaching a lot back then and um and playing you know several nights a week in louisville uh right up until the time we moved in 2015. Gotcha. Well, and you know, you mentioned UNT, of course, and um, you know, anybody that's anybody associated with drumming is very well aware of, you know, some of the names that have come through that, <laughs> that university down there, you know, the yeah. infamous, you know, two o'clock jazz band and all, you know, very, all, very much so. Yeah. yeah. You know, so all, all of that, I mean, I've had, I don't know, dozens of UNT grads on the show. So, uh, you know, it's just yeah. pumping out great drummers down there for many, many years. Yes. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, you said you had released a few albums, you know, while you were still living here in Kentucky. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming that is fairly easy when your parents run a recording studio, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so talk to me a little bit about kind of, you know, when did you start writing and, you know, because not a lot of drummers take on the reins as a band leader and put together their own band and start writing and recording. Um, did, yeah. did you do that out of necessity or was it, more of a, Hey, I really think I have something to offer here and, and I want to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a g- great question. And you're totally right. Uh, I'd probably say not all drummers have that, the band leader gene and like to go out, hustle, knock on doors, uh, make things happen, uh, as a leader rather. And then, and then not all drummers have the compositional gene, uh, like to write tunes, you know, there's a few like Jeff Dean Watts. I, you know, I, I'm Tony Williams have written tunes. Uh, for me, I, yeah, I, I play, I play the piano too, which is my, I guess my second instrument. And, and I just play at home, play for family. And that's where as most writers, jazz writers, they, you can hear the harmony. Uh, in chorus, and I've always had kind of tunes in my head. Um, I think us as drummers have a, uh, a kind of a unique lens, right? Yes. Um, you know, where we hear everything. And uh, I, so I just sit down to the piano, and there's a melody and a harmony, and then I write the tune. And then uh, <laughs> when we play it with a band, I, uh, I play drums, of course, and 
get a real piano player <laughs> and uh, play the tunes. And I've probably written maybe 40, 50 tunes over the years since I started writing. Yeah. Well, now let me ask you this, because I've asked some of the other, you know, uh, composing drummers that I've had. Mm -hmm. When you sit down at the piano and you have this, you know, melody or or whatever in your head, when you're actually writing and, and going through the process of arranging a tune, are you approaching it solely from the melody side of things or does your drummer brain kick in and think about, here's what I'm going to play drum wise, or are you just, you know, I'm just trying to write a good tune and the drums will be what they'll be. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, you kind of sit down with a concept and, uh, sometimes it's more melody based and you're not sure exactly what's going to happen with, with the harmony and then the rest of the band. Sometimes it is more rhythmically based, uh, like this title cut from the new record coming to fruition. Um, it kind of, um, it's inspired by, uh, Pat Metheny. And there's a song that he made famous called last train home. Um, it's got that 16th, 16th notes on the snare, uh, with brushes pretty much the entire tune. You know, you know, I'm like, man, that's really cool. That's such an inspiration on me as is all of Pat Metheny's music. Um, you know, so for that one, I'm like, you know, I, I think that I'm going to write something using that groove from Last Train Home. It kind of my my homage to uh, Pat Metheny. And uh, so that's what I did with that one. And there's other tunes which are more kind of melody-based, you know, that you're not really sure which direction it's going to go up until you have a gig or you get the guys together and, and play it and play it multiple times over time. So... Yeah, for sure. Well, so so you mentioned the new record, and you know that's kind of the perfect segue. Um, as you yeah. mentioned, it's called "Coming to Fruition." Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, hit the streets on September twenty second. Um, I have spent a little bit of time with the record, and the the one thing that I noticed immediately, um, you, you know, and I'm not trying to say anything bad about anybody else. But, you know, sometimes you put on a, a new jazz record that is, you know, sans vocals and it's very esoteric, right? It's, yeah. it's yeah. you know, I, I find that amazing. But your record, the one thing that, that I wrote down as I was listening through it the first time was this record is danceable. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what we're going for and uh, what I've generally strived for for my previous, um, whatever, four albums or whatever, this being the fifth, is uh, some cuts that are, what, four or five minutes long, uh, got all the right soloists, nothing too crazy. You know, nobody plays more than, whatever, two choruses. (laughs) And uh, it's got a nice melody that's... um, I feel that it's accessible for the non-jazz musicians, if that makes sense. Um, yes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm going for. Well, you achieve that in spades on this record, um, you know. And again, you know, I'm not trying to say anything bad, but sometimes when you get an instrumental jazz album, you're like, okay, I do not know where the one is. 
you know, it's mm-hmm. in, it's in like a ele- right. it's in eleven or something crazy. Yeah. And you're a drummer, you're right? You're a musician. Yeah, right. And and I'm just like, okay, I, I get it, but these guys are just totally in the studio vibing or whatever, you know. Um and, and that's cool, but I, I can't take you know, a seventy minute dose of that in one sitting, right? Right. right. So <laughs> your record is um, you know, again, I use the word danceable, but you know, and, and I wrote down uh, you know, kind of in my chicken scratch here that I'm reading. You know, there was one tune that I was like, it almost could have been a Steely Dan song. You, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it, it was just yeah. so um, pop sounding while still staying true to its jazz roots, which is a cool thing, I think. Yeah. You know, and as as I went through... You know, the three tracks that I picked out, you know, is is kind of the ones that I like the most. I loved I-35, uh, A New Day, yep, and Effortless Spree. I, you know, I thought, okay. the, you know, I thought those three tracks were, were you know, kind of standouts to me. The, the title track is really cool as well, and I picked up on the yeah. Pat Metheny thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's... Um, you know, I think for the casual listener who is like, you know, I like good jazz music, but I don't want to sit through the song that's in 11, you know, played eight yeah, different ways. Right. I think this is a yeah. record for them. So exactly what we're going for, Jamie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it's, it leads to more, what do you call it? Financial success or mainstream success. Um, you know, uh, we're not trying to, um, you know, become millionaires with this stuff or financially. But I feel that was our goal is to put a good, um, good CD out there. That's, that's accessible to the public, not only musicians, jazz musicians, but their friends and their family and, and, and different people and students and youth. And, uh, so that was our goal. Definitely. Yeah, well, and it and it's a really killer sounding record as well. I mean, it sounds fantastic, but you know, yeah. I, I think there's a place for everything. But you know, if you've got some really, um, you know, groundbreaking jazz record that's very you know avant garde, so to speak, you're probably not going to get hired to play a lot of you know business receptions or weddings or whatever. Right. But yeah. yeah, you have to be personal and accessible. Right. But if somebody listens to this record, I could see somebody going, hey, we should really hire the Bobby Falk group to, <laughs> you know, to come do our corporate yeah. event. I mean, I can hear that. Right. Right. Yeah. And and we, we do a lot of that stuff because we, you know, that's what Dallas Fort Worth is. It's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, there's the jazz scene, the quote unquote, the uh, the festivals and, the, and, and then the UNT and then the. The uh, Denon Arts Festival, you know, where we can do our stuff from the album and like the Bobby Falk group thing. Uh, but most of Dallas, it's, it's, it's business driven and there's a lot of parties, corporate parties, uh, you know. So us as working musicians, you know, we we do all of those gigs, too. And we can play standards. We can play more pop kind of bossa nova type of stuff. We can downscale to a three piece or a or a two piece or a four piece. Uh most of the gigs are like that, except for these, this album stuff and festival stuff. 
And it's yeah. probably like that in any town, probably. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think if you're not in you know New York or or maybe L.A., you know the mm-hmm. the, the real hardcore jazzers, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. You know, I I think being a little bit more accessible is is certainly going to help you. And you know, a couple of the other things that that I noticed, um, you know, on the record, um, first of all, Craig Wagner, your guitar player on this record, is just amazing i mean yeah he's doing some stuff and he's a louisville guy right yeah 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 i thought maybe you might have heard of craig or know craig through lexington louisville some of the um yeah craig has long been probably the best um guitar player there for almost 30 years probably yeah Um, well i mean i certainly recognize the name and and i mean his his playing on the record is just amazing yeah, yeah, he's uh, what what we wanted for the, uh, you know, the Pat Metheny thing that I'm going for. Um, I'm inspired by that with a few of the cuts, the New Day uh, coming to fruition and maybe one or two others. So we had Craig play on all that stuff. He's like uh, Pat Metheny from the state of Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good, yeah. that's a very good yeah. uh, description. Bluegrass, you know, yeah, you can hear that. Um, like myself, you know, I was there 35 years. He's Craig's also got that, um, that, um, Southern gospel soul, the Kentucky soul. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that I have. Yeah. And you know, I, I I'm going to go down a rabbit hole here, so bear with me, but yeah, you yeah. know, people that aren't from around here, um, often point out to me that like, there's just a, a swing or a soul. And I don't mean that like, like swing. I don't mean like, you know, mm-hmm. swing music. I mean, there's a swing to the way the music of this area, Appalachia, whatever you want to say. Yeah. Yeah. More of a Southern soul, uh, grassrootsy or yeah, whatever you call it. Yeah. And it's not even like, yeah. you know, and, and I don't want to get too far inside baseball here, but it's not like a, a dotted eighth. It's something different. It's just like this swamp thing, or, or I don't know how to describe it, but there is definitely a feeling in the music that comes from this region that is specific to this region. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I've got it. And then, um, and so when I moved to Texas and started playing here, you know, it's unique. Those tunes are... Um, you know, they're unique and people, they can hear the Matheny influence, but they hear something else. They hear, you know, they hear that I'm from Kentucky. Um, so yeah, you know, it's unique definitely. And Craig Wagner, the uh, special guest on this album, and he's got that too, because he's also from there, born and raised there. And he's been there his whole life, almost 50 years. So that was definitely, that's a unique experience to have him, on our record as our special guest. Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, I think when you get two or three Kentucky guys in a room, like the people that aren't from Kentucky are like, there's something different about this and I don't know what it is. Yeah. 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 You know, it's a unique project. That's really great that you, I think hear that and, and picked up on that. Uh, Most people, they just don't know, or rather people that know me and have known me and Craig, you know, they, they love the album and, and they love the Dallas guys on the album. You know, they, 
um, a few of the Dallas guys obviously went to University of North Texas um, in their lives. And then uh, a few of them went to uh, UTA, which is University of Texas Arlington, the two horn players. Uh, they got a national, worldwide reputable jazz program there. So that's kind of their background, you know. But it's funny, it's a small world. They all grew up playing through these Jamie Abersold books also. Uh, <laughs> so it's funny, you know, it, I guess the jazz world, it, it's a small world, I guess, really. Yeah, I mean, if, if for sure. I mean, I, and, yeah, you know, the other um, thing that I wanted to point out about this record is, you know, I immediately noticed the, the bass player and, you know, I was yeah, like, yeah. I, and I was like, okay, who is this? And then I immediately saw the name Jeff plant and I was like, yeah. Oh, okay. Now it makes sense to me. So you, <laughs> if you want to, mm-hmm. you, you can talk about, you know, it, it kind of Jeff's CV, but I mean, he's played with literally everybody, not only in jazz, but pop as well. Yeah. 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 That's correct. Jeff is, um, Jeff is a what do you call it? Um, a first call bassist here in the Dallas Fort Worth area, and has been for many years. He um, went to UNT, I think, in the in the nineties, the early nineties. Uh, and yeah, he's been here ever since with his family and kids. And then um, he's very uh, he's established here and very um, reputable. So I. So I wanted him on the album, and he's the bass player that went on our uh, our tour, Midwest tour last year, um, in in which we recorded that album in Kentucky. Um, so, yeah, well, it, I mean, it, it, so I mean, that was what I immediately noticed, and I'm not taking anything away from you know the horn players or, or the you yeah, know the, the, key, other guys, the, right. the keys player. I I just immediately was like, man, this guitar player and bass player are yeah, hauling. Yeah, and Jeff were were both dynamite with yeah. each other, uh, as I knew they would be. You know, when we recorded that, I mean, they didn't they they had just met that week, you know, and then we played a few gigs uh, in Louisville, one thing at the Zanzibar, and then another thing I think, and then we hit the studio on that day three, and uh, you know, we're still kind of breaking the ice with each other. And then, uh, so what you're hearing there is Craig Wagner. He, he's only playing those tunes for maybe the, the second or third time, uh, which is amazing. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it, it is amazing. But, you know, I mean, I just. Yeah, he, it, he's that good. Yeah. I, and, you know, I mean, you guys is the, the rhythm section of the band absolutely hauling the mail on this. So, you know. Yeah. Congrats on a great record, man. Oh, well, thank you, Jamie. Yeah, it's no, it's I, I'm not joking around. It's it's really good. So, uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it, you mentioned earlier, you know, you said something and, and we'll go down this rabbit hole for just a second. Mm-hmm, but but mm-hmm. you said, you know, none of us are trying to become millionaires yeah. <laughs> on this record. <laughs> and, you know, uh, unless your first name is Taylor and your last name is Swift, you're not going to make a million dollars on any record you release these days. Um, right. You know, because the industry is just so different. But mm-hmm. 
you know, what are some of your goals with this? Do you just want to get the record in as many hands as you possibly can? I mean, what what is the ultimate yeah. goal for your group? Yeah, well, for for this record, this is my my fifth. You know, I'm I'm just because I feel it's a strong record. I'm I'm doing some things differently this time around than I've done with my my previous projects. You know, I've hired um, a publicist um, and two for the show media. Um, who who is the best best in the business, by the way? Yeah, yeah. Um, he's doing a good job, and he's obviously you're very very familiar with Chris. Yes, and his work specializing in drummer band leaders and drummer writers. Um, and he, you know, I felt that Chris would be a good fit for my project. Um, after kind of, I took about six months to do some research and do my due diligence on either to go through a radio marketing thing or publicist, you know, uh, I just had the money for, for one, you know, because it's a lot of money, particularly for both. I'm like, you know, uh, this guy looks great, uh, specializes in drummer, band leaders, drummer writers, and um, and then he can also, he's got some handle on radio and podcasts like this one. Um, so that's the route that I went with. And so we're trying to get this record out to, like, the mainstream media, radio, and um, Chris has done a great job getting getting it out to some of these European markets, um, uh, which is, I feel that's exactly the markets that I'm looking for. Uh, the European jazz is a strong, uh, influence yeah. on me. Yeah. You know, uh, so we're getting it out. So we got some reviews coming in from like, uh, Sweden and Denmark and Europe and <laughs> like all types of stuff. And that's what we need with radio and, uh, also touring, you know, since the, um, the record came out, you know, we got another tour, a Texas tour, which is coming up in two weeks. And, uh, Craig Wagner is actually coming here for that. Uh, so we're bopping around to five different gigs, five different cities, um, for touring. And then, uh, we, we have another tour two weeks after that through Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana again. So, so, so we accomplished that getting the music out there to more of a, what we're trying to do is get it out of Dallas and uh, get it out, out of Kentucky as we're trying to spread it worldwide. So you accomplish that by the publicist yeah. and his work and also by touring and also the, um, what do you call it? The streaming services, streaming platforms. Yeah. It's just, it's so hard. Um, you know, even, you know, I, I, I grew up in rock music, right? So I, I, I'm a rock guy, but one of the things that I've noticed here over the last 10 years, let's say, is even if you're an established band with huge history, with record, you know, recording success, and I'll give you a perfect example, Def Leppard, right? They released an album in the 80s that went, you know, 17 or 18 times platinum you know, in the first couple of years that it was out, they put out a pretty good record a couple years ago. And, you know, week one, it charted, you know, it was in the, you know, top 20 records of the week. And then two weeks later, it was not in the charts. So (laughs) 
What I'm saying yeah. is when a band like <laughs> Def Leppard can only hold the attention of the world for a week or two, you know, yeah. somebody like you who's doing God's work. I mean, let's let's face it, but it's mm-hmm. just you can have the best record in the world and not get arrested with it unless it's everywhere right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's just so hard. It's such an uphill battle. Yeah, yeah, and particularly our music, um, you know, Jamie is uh, it's instrumental music and um, it's original music. So it's not covers, it's not standards. It's you know, I, but I, you know, uh, we want to uh, have that. That's the only way we want it. It's you know, we, you know, we're getting our work out there, and we save the standards for the gigs for the cocktail gigs, right? Yeah. Uh, so as so yeah, I guess. To your point, it's a tough road because it's it's in some form it's art, right? Yes. Um, which is what jazz is, you know, and it's it's instrumental it's instrumental music also, no vocals. So that's why it's another reason that I want to have songs with nice melodies, catchy melodies, and good sounds. You know, the timbre and kind of the kind of the overall group sound, uh, in my opinion, makes makes a bond with the listener. I agree completely. And, you know, I just, uh, I just think that, you know, for me, you know, and I can only speak for me, I can't speak for anybody else, but, you know, um, I'm just finishing up a record with, you know, one of the great guitar players in the state of Kentucky who, you know, plays as a sideman in another artist's band, but he wrote a bunch of songs, you know, wants to, you know, kind of step out and sing them, um, you know, so we go in the studio and cut, you know, nine or 10 tracks. And he was mm-hmm. like, you know, if I can just get this on Spotify and have, you know, five or 600 people listen to it, I'll be happy. And, yeah, y- you know, when you start doing the math on that, you know, you're, you're paying, <laughs> you know, a, a few dollars per listener to record the record. Right, right. You know, so I just think it's so different now and it's hard to get it out there because, you know, the, the, the good news is in this day and age is, you know, everybody can record a record, right. And put out a great record. The bad news is everybody can record and put out a great record. You're, you're just lost in the ocean, (laughs) you know, um, it's an ocean of music every week coming out and you have to, I, I, I just, you know, I could talk about this all day, but you yeah. know, Oh, you're right. Kudos yeah. to you for saying, here it is. I'm going to hire a great publicist like Chris at two for the show yeah, yeah, and, and get it out there. Um, you know, and it sounds like you've booked a couple of tours and that's no small yeah. feat either to pay all these guys to do, you know, 10 or 12 gigs, you know, that's hard. uh Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're doing differently with this project than I've done for my first four projects. I mean, back in my first project, 2006, I don't even think we had, uh, streaming services, right. Or, um, iTunes. We might've had iTunes back then, but the, um, the Deezer, which I've never even heard of, uh, of course, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio. So uh, things are always changing, and it's a different day nowadays with media and stuff. So I feel 
so that's good. And then um, going with a publicist is something different and, and uh, different for me this time around. So that's what we're hoping is it leads to just um, more exposure and people uh, checking out the new record. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm encouraging all my listeners, you know, go pick up a copy of it. And, you know, I, I I should have asked this earlier, but is there a physical release? I mean, are you actually printing CDs or is it all going to be digital? The first batch, like, uh, done in the past, I got, got a first batch 300. Uh, so, but, but you know, and nobody, uh, the the vast majority of people are not going to buy the physical CD, but we have physical CDs for people that want to get them. And, uh, we have those basically on the gigs, on the festivals, on the touring opportunities, you know, we have a little box of them because, uh, people like me, they've got an old soul and, 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 and they have a copy of the record. <laughs> Some people yeah. even want me to sign, you know, uh, so yeah, just in case, um, I've got about 300 copies for this first batch and we'll see go during the tours and then during the release, during the release stuff. So, yeah, for sure. Well, and you know, I mean, I, I, I say this every episode buy a physical copy because that's what yeah. pays Bobby the most. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we played a gig last night in Fort Worth, um, uh, Sundance Square, that was, I guess, the first, you know, the album just came out officially on Friday. So we had the first gig last night. Like, it's not a real, like, crowd that's going to walk up and buy a CD. It's a bunch of families with their kids and stuff up, playing in the water and outdoor. You know, it's not real, like, a CD release crowd. But you have to bring them. Uh, you just have to. And I think we sold uh, four or five, you know, uh, but... You know, the other option is if you don't bring them, you'll sell zero of them. Yeah, well, that's so right. you have to bring them. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to bring them, you know, no matter if it's one person buying them. So I always bring them, you know. So particularly we got got the two tours, the Texas tour, October 4th through the 8th, where we go to Austin, Denton, and then the, um, the full-length tour, which is two weeks after that. So, you know, and... Uh, yeah, there's just some places they that the physical product sells better. You know, jazz clubs, festivals, and libraries and stuff like that, where there's like a table, you know, that you can sell on that. And then, uh, you know, you just gotta give it a whirl. Absolutely, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just you know everything now is so you know either Spotify or Apple Music, and you, you yeah. know, I mean. I've played YouTube music is taken over, man. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. I, I, one of the biggest uh, questions that I get, you know, with the podcast uh, that I got in the early days, you know, we're coming up on six years now, but in the early days they were like, why isn't your podcast on YouTube? And I was like, because it's audio only, Yeah, (laughs) you know, but (laughs) there, there was a, a real like, if you're not on YouTube, you don't exist. So now every episode also goes out to YouTube and it's just audio only. And that's the audio. Yeah. Yeah. But it's probably, I would say a quarter of my audience is just listening on YouTube, which is crazy to me, Mm -hmm. you know, but 
it, wow. that, that's the world we live in. But, you know, yeah. when, when you put these things out there in the, you know, what I call the, you know, the internet ecosystem, you know, if somebody listens to your record from start to finish on Spotify a thousand times, you'll make about 30 cents. Yeah, that's correct. You know, it's just, it's amazing to me that the artist, the person that is creating what you enjoy is the last person to get paid. Yeah, yeah. That's why selling the physical CD is still important, you know, uh, whether it's three or four people like we had last night or or whether it's a thousand people or whether it's nobody, you know, you, you got to give the world and then see what happens with the streaming and then uh, see what happens with the tours and everything else. You know, it's uh, it's uh, the life of a jazz artist, right? Um, yeah. You know, uh, none of us are necessarily doing it for the money. I, I, like to some extent we are, but most of us in my band, we we have, um, I guess you call it day jobs. And some guys are, are teachers, uh, uh, you know, and then, uh, yeah, so... It's, um, that's the world we're in. Yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of teaching, um, mm-hmm. are you currently teaching and are you taking students? That's one of the things that I always ask about. Right, right. Um, uh, I'm no longer teaching right now. Uh, I, I, I threw in the towel, I guess about three or four years ago. Uh, just, I was getting so busy, uh, with my day job. Uh, so I actually worked for a, um, it's a seafood company here um, in Dallas, Ocean Beauty Seafood, and I'm a um, I'm a driver, delivery driver. So uh, it's a little, I guess you'd call it a day gig, right? And that's my day gig, and uh, it's four days a week, five days a week. Uh, so got busy with that because that job gives me everything we don't get uh, as a musician. That's of course benefits, health insurance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Dental. I started a 401k, so that's really what's made things work for me. You know, where I can do the gigs I want to do, focus on albums, touring, recording, festivals. Um, is having that solid day gig. Um, but because of the solid day gig, the last four or five years, the teaching has gone down. So I currently don't have any students now. But I did teach for about 15, 20 years, both in the state of Kentucky and here in Texas. Gotcha. Well, I, I mean, I always ask the question and, <clears throat> you know, there is no shame in having a day job. I've been a drummer for, <clears throat> gosh, going on probably 35 years, 34 years, something like that. Yeah. And with the exception of like my, my college age years, right? So from the time I was about 22 or 23, I have had a day job and been a musician my entire adult life, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it's, you know, for a musician who wants to really do it, if you can't, you know, take care of your responsibilities and, you know, self care, you have to have some sort of, you know, day gig. That, well, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, and it's, it's tricky. It's different for everyone. You've, it's, you know, you've had to make it work. It sounds like, uh, just like me, like to, do the gigs you want to do and to have a podcast and do the opera and, and do the stuff you want to do with it. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the, the key to it is finding the right day gig, you know, and I've been very yeah. blessed that, you know, if I need to go out for a couple of weeks, I just say, hey, I'm going to be working remotely for a couple of weeks. And my, mm -hmm. my employer's like, okay, cool. Have fun, <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah, that's really important. But, you know, I, I just, you know, I hope that, you know, the new record just takes off like wildfire um, mm -hmm. because it is really good. It's very listenable. Um, you know, like I said, I've spun it a couple of times. I was a little bit late to the party. I didn't get, um, you know, all the files and everything until a couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, right. But yeah. this is absolutely one that, <clears throat> you know, when you have a group of folks over and you're entertaining your friends, you throw it on in the background and it's a great record to listen to. Yeah, you know? that's what we want, you know. Yeah, if, if you can have a conversation over it and then the, and then the but sometimes the jazz, the jazz head, the jazz nerd, so to speak. Yeah. Saxophone, so oh man, that's good. Craig Wagner's, uh, you know, he's really shredding. Uh, you know, he, like the jazz nerds can like it, and then your normal people at a party, they'll they'll like it too. Yeah, and and that's man, that's a that's a tough line to walk, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, very much so. But there's people like Pat Metheny, Jeff Lorber, um, Gerald Albright. You know, that have um, really um, done it well, and then those guys are definitely. Um, very inspiring. Yeah. I, well, yeah. And I, you know, I just think it's, it's so hard nowadays. And, and again, I'm coming from a little bit different perspective, you know, being a rock musician, but yeah. there's, yeah. you know, there are some gigs that I go out on where, you know, you're playing on a stage and, you know, the football game is on over the top of my head behind me. You know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. you, you don't know if the crowd's watching the football game or watching your <laughs> band play. I mean, it's just like right. we, we we're such a society of divided attention. It's really hard to get someone's attention. So when you do, you've got to latch on like a bulldog and, and not let go, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just it's a different world. And, you know, I, I'm thankful that we've got guys like you out there, mm -hmm. you know, dr drummers that have said, Hey, I'm going to be a band leader. I'm going to write tunes. I'm going to release records. I'm going to tour. I think it's really yeah. important for the next generation. Yeah. It's really important for the next generation of drummers to understand you don't have to be a side man or a side woman. You can take control of your own career and do this if you play your cards right. Mm -hmm. You know, I, ju I just think that's so important because I think a, a lot of drummers just assume I have to be hired by an artist or I have to be a sideman in a band. Um, and that's not the case anymore. You can do this. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 You know, there's several others that have come before me that, you know, that I, I very much look into like, um, I was with uh, Peter Erskine last week. Um, he came to um, UNT and, and then did a clinic. Yeah, he's, wow, I mean, that's an example there. Uh, guys like Steve Gadd, Peter Erskine, uh, Cindy Blackman, um, Terry Lynn Carrington, uh, drummer band leaders and, and drummer writers who have also taken those same steps before me. And uh, so those are really the... Uh, you know, my real heroes there. 
Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Peter's just such a, like, he's a, a walking encyclopedia of jazz, yeah, yeah. you know. I, I was fortunate enough to have him on the show way back in our early days. And, you know, I, I felt like he was interviewing me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, he wanted to know what made me tick and just had mm, yeah. such great insights. And, um, you know, we just recently had uh, Cindy Blackman Santana on a couple of weeks yeah, ago. And, yeah. and and she's just Got amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, an encyclopedia. And that knowledge only comes from doing it, right? I mean, yeah. so um, it, it can be done. But Bobby, I want to be respectful of your time. I, I want to thank you for taking time to come on. Um, thank I, you. You're really w- awesome. Keep up the great work with all your uh, shows. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But, you know, keep us posted on everything that's mm-hmm. going on. I'll make sure I get some of the tour dates uh, up on the, yeah. the drumshuffle.com. And um, we're going to send some folks your way. I hope everybody picks up the record. But keep us posted on everything going on. And we'll have you back anytime you'd like. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Jamie. You're very welcome. I hope you have a, a good, successful tour. And uh, let me know if I can help. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. All right, guys and girls, that's going to wrap up episode 160 of the Drum Shuffle podcast. Uh, A million thanks to Bobby Falk for coming on and taking some time out of his schedule to talk to us all about his new record and the upcoming tour. Uh, Again, please pick up a copy of this record. It is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough great things, but there, there are... Just so many artists out there that we're unaware of. And, you know, I jokingly say all the time, everybody can release a record and that's a great thing. It's also really hard to get any attention because everybody can release a great record. So uh, make sure you support Bobby. Uh, It'll mean the world to him and it'll certainly mean a lot to me. Thanks so much to each and every one of you for tuning in week in and week out. We simply can't do this show without each and every one of you listening. The biggest thing you can do to help us out is share a link with a friend. Uh, That helps us more than you'll ever know, and it literally costs you nothing. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button on whatever platform that you're using to listen into the podcast. You don't want to miss any of the episodes that we have coming up. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Dylan Jack, and he has one of the most unique projects Um, that I have come across in the last couple of years, and it ties perfectly into the month of October and the upcoming Halloween holiday. It's pretty unique and really, really great. So you're not going to want to miss that. So hit that subscribe button. Of course, we answer every email that we get over here at the Drum Shuffle Podcast. Our email address is thedrumshufflepodcast at gmail.com. Our web address is thedrumshuffle.com, and you can always find more information on me over at jamieeds.com. Again, thanks so much for tuning in. We can't thank you enough for your support over all these years. So until next time, may your head stay strong and your sticks never break. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.